Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the bus. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTontis. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. It's Friday. Hey, you, you know, Spence, you'll be taking over this day. I won't be able to say it's Friday anymore. It's kind of scary. Oh, man. Are you sure? You sure you want to do that? <laughs> I, I have never been more sure of anything in my life. <laughs> you know, and I, and, I, and I put it in that post when, when I said, hey, Spence is going to be taking over Friday. Number one, you're a great storyteller. No matter who you have on with you, I know that it's not going to be like a regular podcast that you see scattered out through iTunes. You're going to go in depth with these people, not hit the highlights. You're really going to tell an in-depth story with these people. That's number one. I feel comfortable about it. Why? Well, we'll try. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and then I want to say this and I've said it on this podcast a lot of times I know you're sick of hearing it but I want to, I want the audience to understand why Spence is a great guy for a lot of people to look up to in a hunting world that is full of Instagram wannabes Spence is that guy that represents morals, that represents the hunting community well, that to me, I just think that you tie in with what I want Duck South to be. I appreciate that. I'm honored. So, (laughs) I don't know what to say, but I appreciate that, and I'll give it my best shot. I do. I do think you know. We've got. I, I was telling you before we started recording. I've got a handful of people that I'm pretty excited about. Um, about bringing on that uh, people that really, in a lot of ways, inspired me and uh, encouraged me, um, and that I feel like I owe a lot to just people that I learned from that I've reached out to that are pretty excited about it. And so I think that I think that'll be interesting. And I, at least I hope it will be. And, um, anyways, I think the coolest thing about sharing people's stories, sharing your own story, is it's inspiring to people. And, and they may not do exactly what you did, but um, we can learn a lot from each other's stories and each other's mistakes. And so I, I think that's all good. I'm excited about all that, Rocky. I, I agree with you. I, I think that there are a lot of people that you – come across and deal with every day that have a story that inspires and the thing that you find out the more and more that you get hanging around with people that are successful there's a lot of failures in there mm-hmm. and, to, and to me even though those may be the hardest points for those guys to talk about sometimes it's the most inspiring to the listening audience has no doubt about that. I mean, my granddaddy always has said that he wished that he could, if there was one thing he could give us, he's always said he wished he could 
take all the lessons he's learned the hard way and bottle them up in a little gel cap pill and give them to us. But he said that's just not the way the good Lord designed life to be. And so, you know, he's like, I wish that I wish you wouldn't try to learn everything the hard way. But he said at the same time, I know that there's a lot of good that comes from learning stuff the hard way. So, <laughs> but but I, that, I guess in saying that, that's kind of that's the beauty in sharing each in sharing stories with each other is you can't really take a pill that has all the lessons somebody else has learned the hard way, but you can listen to their story and you can learn a lot from hearing from their mistakes. And, um, anyways, and well, I'll, I'll tell you this, I, I ate lunch with, we're going to come back around to the ultimate goal of this, but I was eating lunch with a, a great friend, um, Yesterday, his his daughter is at an elite camp at Ole Miss right now for softball. She's one of the top people in the United States for softball right now. In the seventh grade at that. Wow. Uh, Zone Duck South, his name, his name is Brad Collier. Super guy. But he said something to me that were that was really interesting yesterday. And talking about... Tough times, blah, blah, blah. But he said that the main reason that a lot of kids don't make it these days is, is not the work that they put in, but it's a lack of mental toughness huh. anymore. That's what he hears from coaches the most. Interesting. Kids have it, but they don't have the mental toughness that it takes to make it on the high level. Uh-huh. Makes sense. I mean, it, it it does make sense. It, the mental the mental side of life is the hardest side of life. I think. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of times when, um, you know, your mental fortitude is like what gets you through. Um, you kind of have to being able to being able to coach yourself through something is a pretty valuable skill. Seems like all the superstars and everything are pretty good at that. Oh heck yeah! When you make off, when you fail, how you come mm-hmm. back? Mm-hmm. Short term, how do you handle that? Is is determined? You know, it's going to determine your success. How you handle the mm-hmm. failure, short term and long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and, and 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 it goes back to what you're saying, even in business and even in parenting. You you see your kids. You have to let them make those mistakes, but you hate to see them make them. Right. Right. Yep. And and we do, I mean, we all do it as parents. We try really hard to keep our kids from making the same mistakes we make, but I don't know. It's a, <laughs> there's a lot of value that's gained from learning, from making a mistake and then learning from it. And um, I think I think in a lot of ways we... I know I found myself with my own kids is you try so hard to keep them from making mistakes, you know, and it's like, to me, the, the key to life is not avoiding making mistakes. It's, it's having the ability to learn how to learn from your mistakes, do different the next time and not give up, you know, um, cause it's usually the rebound that, that is where success happens and not the, not the initial push, you know, it's usually the secondary. Uh, do you think as do you think as parents see it? We're we're at the age both of us have kids now. Do you, do you think we live in an age and time that parents uh, put pillows down for their kids to break the fall? Oh yeah. No, it it feels like you're. It's so natural. And I don't, I don't know. If, I don't necessarily think that's new to, to us as a generation. You, know? I, I don't know. It, but yes, I mean for sure, I think we do. Um, and I don't really know how you avoid that necessarily, because there's something deep down inside of you that wants to wants your kids to have it better than you had it. You know, like he 
and you take a lot of pride in that. You know, whatever was hard for you, you want to be not hard for your kids. At least, at least I've noticed that, you know, in my friends and in the way I raised my kids. Like the things I wished I could do when I was a kid, if I have the ability to provide those things for my kids, I try really hard to do that. Um, and so sometimes I think we, kind of like you're saying, we overcompensate for things that we wish we could have done, what could have been different for us when we were kids and in the process, put down pillows or whatever you want to call it, you know, we make it too easy for them. I just, and, and we're, and parents, man, golly, I really didn't want to get off on this rant today, but, you know, we're, we're always, I see it all the time with my kids at school. But Spence, when I was coming up, another thing that my that I, that I see today is parents jumping in um, and taking up for kids when say say teacher calls you says hey yep I, yep trip trips trip got called he he hit somebody at recess. Yep. Well, a lot of a lot of parents will go to school and get onto the teacher, right? These days, right? It's not hey, I'm gonna sit trip yep. down. We're gonna have a long talk when he gets home. I, I'm sure that you do. You're you're different, but there's no. I know what you're saying. As kids, yes, yes, for sure. They 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 feel like you're attacking their kid, and so they they they're like, there's no way that my kid did that, and you're like, uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> that's definitely different culturally that's not the way i was raised i I don't know what everybody else was raised but i mean my parents told us if they get a call from the school whatever the school does to us will be the least of our worries like (laughs) you know because we'll have hell to pay when we get home you know and that's definitely not the way it is now (laughs) i mean you can't even spank kids at school anymore I, I'll say this, and we're going to come back to, to Rolling Thunder and the story, but last night I was watching the Memphis News. All that's going on in Memphis right now with, you know, the full details about a shooting, kid got shot, the full details have not been released about a, a kid on the rough side of town got shot by U.S. Marshals. Um, yeah. Some of them been leaked out, but that's not the story that I want to go after here. It kind of relates back to what we're talking about. The story that I'm after is they were showing on the news. It's a reaction by the community. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. they were jumping on police cars, uh, throwing bricks through the windows. Mm-hmm. Man, granted, this guy has pretty much known he shot somebody, stole a car, and he rammed the police cars. They blocked them in, or U.S. Marshals. Mm-hmm. But instead, instead of, a, as a whole, waiting to get the details, there's no, what I'm getting at, there's no respect for authority. Right. There's this emotional craziness without all the facts. Yeah. Yeah, our culture today is just backwards, man, as a whole. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, when when you hear news like that, what you hear is you you hear the black community saying things like they're just out to get us. Another one of our people died. And then you hear the white community saying things like, "Hey man, if you weren't breaking the law, if you get out of the car without brandishing a shotgun and pointing it at the cops, you wouldn't get shot." And so you you have a black you you have a you have a literal factual event that happened. And you have two groups of people that see it completely, teetotally, 100% different. And nothing you say or do on either side, really, is going to change the the lenses through which both groups are seeing that that interaction. And so both groups start with a premonition of what they think about the other group, and then they use the facts to justify the way they felt going into it instead of, we're not raising a generation that is willing to look at an event with an open mind um, because 
and, and, and that's, that's unfortunate. You know, that's, that's gonna, that's not the way that our forefathers two, three generations ago did things, you know, um, they didn't have their mind made up before they evaluated what was going on. And, and, and that's what we're, unfortunately, that's what I see is we're raising this generation to got their mind made up before they even see something. And so they see something or hear something through the lenses of what they've already decided. I think problems, a lot of the problems that you're seeing today, and I promise it relates to what we're getting to, mental toughness, discipline, a large percentage of kids are don't have a father in the home. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, or they do have a father, but he takes no initiative to actually be a father. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree. And we, you and I've talked about this at, at length several times. I mean, the, the, the crumbling of the basic family structure is, has been incredibly detrimental to the fabric of, of American, um, American, American, but you know, that, that, but you can trace a lot of the problems that we see right now in our world to the broken family epidemic that we have, you know, that mom and dad are not in it um, for the long haul and that, and, and, and I get it. I mean, things happen. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, but as a, as a whole, we've undervalued We've undervalued the impact of marriages that stay together, families that raise all their kids and eat dinner together at night. Like those things are important, and um, and and you can't you can't ignore those things and then wake up 50 years later and go, oh crap, you know, look where we're at. Um, and I and and I now having said all that, I I will say I'm not going to use any names here because I don't want to I don't want to create a distraction, but. I, there is a there is a movement of young men in America that get what you and I are talking about right now, and they grew up. Actually, I got a text message from one earlier today, and I'll read it to you if you want. But they get they they lived through a broken family and a dad that was an asshole, pardon my French, or a jerk, or an alcoholic, or imprisoned, or or whatever. They lived through that and said, not me. That is not going to happen to me. And they, and I know this, that there's a group of these people because they've reached out to me. When, when we put out a video like we did the other day, and it's family values and it's, you know, that kind of stuff, they're like, dude, I didn't have that, and I'm giving that to my son. And I can watch their social media. I can watch the pictures they post, things they're doing with their kids, and I can go, you know what? I knew that guy 10 years ago, and he was not the same guy 10 years ago that he is today. He he is intentionally, I mean, taking time off of work to be with his kids. He's teaching them life skills. They're, 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 they're going to bed and waking up each morning and saying, I don't want to be the guy that raised me. I want to be a better dad than what I had. And so while, while we're complaining and kind of bashing that part of our culture, justly so, I, you know, I think it's fair to say there's a group of guys out there, and I say guys only because I don't really know, you know, much about the women out there. But that there's a group of young men out there that are trying their best to turn the tides, and there needs to be. We need more of them. You know, we need to join together, and um, good dads raise good sons, and good sons, you know, raise a second generation of good men, and um, and that's that's important. Let me read you this text message. It's pretty exact. Yes, please. This is my favorite thing is getting these kind of messages. Hey, buddy, just had time to sit down and watch the new episode. It was amazing. You sure know how to make my eyes get to water. I've said it before, but I really appreciate you and look up to you. The way that you are with your son and the relationship that you two have makes me want the same thing with mine. You make me want to be just like you as a father, and I appreciate that. I always had an uncle that cared about me, but my dad was not the greatest. No matter how much like a father my uncle was to me, and even though he was 
and to this day still is a great mentor, nothing compares to the presence of your own dad. Something I had growing up, but that treated me like crap. He drank all the time, yelled all the time, etc. Seeing you two is like seeing how it's supposed to be and like giving me a manual that I can refer to if I need it. Sorry for the long post, but I just wanted to let you know. Um, I don't mean that to toot my own horn, but dude, that is like major shot in the arm. That's a dude. That's that is a that is a grown man who has a kid and goes, I didn't like the way my dad treated me. I got to do this better. Um, hey, I could read you hey, messages like stupid, that. Stupid, stupid question. Stupid huh? question. Where does that message rank? In comparison to say, man, Spence loved the way you shot those greenheads in that video you put out yesterday. Oh man, that that's a whole nother league. Uh, I mean, those are the kind of messages that make you want to, you know, do right at your moment of greatest temptation to do wrong. Because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you think about in those time in those in those times in life where you got hard decisions to make and you can let somebody down you think about dang you know what if i did blah 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 and that guy found out about it it wouldn't just crush my family he'd be like dang that guy was a sham you know that guy was a fake exactly um yeah i mean that that's that's good for us and and man i this is going to sound really self-absorbed and i don't mean it to be but this is exactly what i have hoped and prayed for would happen as a part of what we're trying to do with this. I mean, yeah, we're trying to market the Rolling Thunder brand, and yes, we're trying to be a good brand partner for the companies that support us, the Mossy Oaks and the Drake Waterfowls and the down the list. But at the end of the day, you know, I hope that a guy watches something that we're doing and says, I, I need to be like, that's, that's how I need to try my best to raise my kids, you know? And so if that, if that keeps one dad from, being overbearing with his kid and keeping his kid from being burned out with hunting and fishing by the time he's 12 or 13 years old, man, that, that's awesome. And if it keeps one dad, you know, being intentional about trying to, you know, be a good dad and, and hollow out time to spend with their kid, that, that's, that's worth a whole lot more than people buying some duck calls or something like that. Um, I mean, so where does it rank? Man, that ranks the top of the heap. Um, I, I I save those kind of messages. Those are the kind of messages that get you through dark rainy days in your life, you know? And that's why you're taking over Friday. <laughs> right there. <laughs> well, well, I, you know, we're, I've said it before, Rocky, but none of us are perfect, and I'm, I'm certainly far from it. My kids could tell you all my faults. The only person who could probably tell you quicker than them would be Lindy. Um, but you know, we're, we're all in this thing together and, and it's good for us to, it's good for us to help each other be better humans, better dads, better husbands, you know, and better, better hunters. I mean, that's what community is all about. Right. Um, and we get carried away with natter days and crocs and whatever else. But I mean, at the end of the day, having a community of people that kind of holds you accountable and keeps you, you know, keeps you level uh, and encourages you to do right that's good that's good for us that's the way the good lord intended it well i'll say this I, I went around the universe to get back to exactly where you took us we were all trip halford we were all walking in the a lot of us were walking in those boots man I know I'm, I'm I'm kind of starting it at the end, but when Trip gets to be fifty and you're <laughs> eighty and can't go anymore, mm. holy man, man, these videos are going to mean a lot. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I think they will. I hope so. I, I I have to be honest. I mean, there's a lot about what we do filming that scares me. Um, I really don't want him to grow up and hate it because of what he's 
had to put up with, you know, not that it's a burden, but it is a burden. Having the camera always in your face just kind of makes you think about what you're doing. It changes the way you do things and you're not relaxed. And so it, it concerns me and, and it's a, it's a constant, it's constantly in my mind of, you know, what's the priority here? Is the priority for me to be a movie star or is the priority for me to raise my son? Well, the priority is for me to raise my son and my daughters. Um, and and if I'm, if I'm, if I make great movies and, and I'm a movie star, but I'm a terrible dad then I've failed at life, you know? And so, and I've, and I'm Dylan and Dawson and I, and we, we've all talked about this is like when y'all feel, you know, when trips around, you feel trip, you know, putting his hand in the camera or shine away, you know, and it, and it goes from him being goofy and trying to, you know, just mess with them and, and goof off when it goes from there to he's really tired of the camera being in it. Don't push him. You know, don't ask him to say something to the camera. Just try to pretend like you're not there because, you know, when they were little, when I was little, we didn't have, neither, none of us grew up like that. We didn't have a camera in our face all the time. And so I, I've been very concerned and I still am concerned. I don't want that to ruin it for him. You know, I, I don't want him to, I don't want him to go because he's got to film something. I don't want him to go because it's got to, I want him to go because he wants to and, you know, because it's fun. So, it even, you know, it, it goes back, you, you talked about mental toughness in that webisode. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it was bad weather, tough conditions in Kansas, Tripp didn't want to give up. Yeah, he was not very happy when I told him we had to go home. <laughs> and that, and, that, and that, uh, that in and of itself is kind of a funny twist to all this. He, he really didn't – he was fine if we didn't go out and sit in the woods and hunt. He was fine sitting at the, at the little camp house that, that we had rented and watching TV and eating candy and he loves white rice he loves minute made like or you know like the uncle ben's white rice cups he would have sat in that in that little camp house and ate white rice and candy all day for two more days and let it rain he would have been happy as lark to do that he actually asked he said can we not just stay here and you know hang out i was like why do you want to do that he's like i don't want to go back to school <laughs> i was like okay i get that but i don't want to drive back 600 miles in the in the rain you know in a thunderstorm um that's that's the emotional response from trip the deep down response i guarantee you when he gets to be 25 man i just wanted to sit there with you dad two more yeah, days that's exactly exactly right i mean and i and i don't want to be i don't want to be over the top about it's not all about the kill you know i mean it, it's a lot about the kill i mean the kill is what's the fun part right so I'm, I'm not at all saying it's not about the kill. I'm just saying that the main thing I'm trying to say here is that he had as much fun doing those things, just the adventure of being out of the house. Probably he had more fun doing that than he would have had if he just shot 10 turkeys because he doesn't really understand it enough to really appreciate the finer points of the kill yet. And so we're like, we're building a foundation of, these are the fun things. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, killing's pretty fun too, you know? <laughs> um, but if you don't build the foundation right, then then your roof is not going to be square on your house. So so getting the foundation right, making it fun early on, I mean, that's that's the most important part. Because what you want is you want to get. I lost you for a second. What did you say? Um, I just said, what you want is um, what you what you want is a kid that's that that loves it before the kill because once they start killing stuff and they realize how much fun that is and they put all that together, I mean then you got a kid that's actually asking you to go said so you haven't asked your kid to go and that's the that's the ultimate goal, right? It's, you want yeah. to like it for themselves. Well, I, I saw myself. Trip is eight. Is that right? He is seven. He'll be eight in August. Seven. seven. See, I was that guy. I, I was that. I was that kid. 
whenever you can make people kind of like they're looking in a mirror into the past, that's mm -hmm. a great video. So growing up, dad had given up duck hunting by the time that I'd gotten that age, but we're deer hunting every day. That was what we did. Stopped and he got me some candy. To yeah. Be able to sit in the stand or sit in the sit beside the tree. That that's just Yeah. That was a part of our hunt. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Hey, let me ask you this while while we're on have you ever read the book Wild at Heart? Um, no, I've not. I know a little bit about it, and I've I've read a few excerpts from it, but I've never read the whole thing. I probably need so, to. It's a it's a book written by John Eldridge. I recommend this. Man, we're going way outside the usual boundaries <laughs> of this podcast. But John Eldridge wrote this book it's called Wild at Heart: Understanding How and Why God Created Men the Way He Did. Now, I encourage everybody that's listening to this podcast, 13 bucks on Amazon. Go mm -hmm. order it. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. It's definitely a good book. I know I know enough about it to know it's a good book, and I would recommend it too. So the series is done for the year, correct, until this fall? Yeah. Uh-huh. We'll start back up probably um, – I don't know. We might start at the end of August, middle of September. We've already got the first episode done, um, and or pretty. I say done. We've got it. I think Dylan's got it about seventy or eighty percent done. He's he's pretty far along. It'll be fun. It will not be a tearjerker. It will not be um, mellow music and like make you want to, you know, curl up in a ball and cry think of yesteryear <laughs> we tried really hard to we and we almost did it as chapter 10 um uh, we've kind of been bouncing this idea for for a while so um we landed on doing it as chapter one of next year since um we've done we've kind of done resident geese the last two years as our as for, for chapter one of both of season one and season two we did as resident geese and we're going to change that up this year and do something different. Um, so it'll be kind of cool. While we're on the, the video series, mm -hmm. looking back on it, look on looking back on the past two years, kind of mm -hmm. putting a bow on all of this, outside of the one you just did with Trip, what was the best one? What When, when you get to be... 60 and you say man well we we put out some great shows but if this was the only two seasons you ever put out which one would you look back on and smile the most about which episode man that's a good question i wasn't prepared for that one um And I'm not talking about from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, I, it may be yeah. it may be the middle of the road numbers, but I'm saying when you watch it, it still brings a smile to your face. And why? Um, I don't know. I there, <laughs> in a weird way, they're all kind of there's things about every one of them that have been very rewarding. And, um, I, you know, things that I, that I, that I really like about them. Um, mm, mm, I guess I would, so let me give you, uh, four of them that I think were special and then I'll try to answer between those four. Um for sure the very first one that we did um 
and I know it's a little bit it's a little bit hokey the the whole what brings you back for more part, but my favorite thing about killing stuff with a group of people, you know, like the essence of hunting is knowing that you got it figured out and then and then that's like the coolest gift that you can give to one of your friends. Um, I mean, wrapped up in a package in a bow, you know, it's like you get on the phone, you call your buddy and you're like, man, whatever you're doing tomorrow, cancel it. Call in sick. Tell him you're not going to be there. Why? Why, man? Why, man? I mean, I'll tell you, but you're not going to believe me. You're just going to have to see it for your own eyes. Um, and that first episode was really special to me because it was one of those. I mean, I know they're golf course geese and they're, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not doll sheep or, or, you know, some rare, um, goofy, but, uh, we had those geese so well scouted out and it was a very rare situation where I could bring as many people basically as I wanted. And so I, the people that were there were just some of my very favorite people in the whole world, including my dad, um, who didn't even load his gun or shoot it the entire time. And so the, the, the way we did that episode, kind of talking about how Rolling Thunder was born out of the garage in our, at my house and then where we are today and, and then t- kind of tying that into what's really special at the end of the day about a great hunt, whether it be golf course geese or, um, you know, mallards in the woods or some exotic species whatever your kind of your bucket list thing is but like a really good successful hunt with the people you care about combining all those two things in one that was really special so i would say that one for sure um the there was one that we did um called drought that was really fun in the first season and really rewarding to me i think it was the third episode that year might have been the fourth i can't remember for sure but um that one was really special because the hunting was not all that great but we just kind of made a decision to go somewhere that was fun we went to our camp went back to kind of our roots and square one and just hung out for four or five days and spent time with the people that we care about the most and we had some pretty good hunts in there and um and the, the line that brooks tinsley said in that one that just always resonates with me is that um just to see that one group do it the right way is what you i mean that's what you come for and uh that's so true and there's so many times where like a hunt's not it's not the greatest numerical hunt you don't kill them all but you get one group that just freaking does it just right and it's like man that's that's good enough for me today you know i don't have to shoot a hundred i'd love to but uh you know getting one to do it right is what you come for. I mean, that's just, that's checking off that first box that way. So that one for sure. Um, the dog one is pretty special to me. Um, and it, and it's probably ranks up there with the first episode. I don't, those two, those two are pretty neck and neck. I mean, they're kind of two of the most, I mean, I, I got a, pretty special relationship with my dog and um i forced dylan in that one to kind of keep it generic just because like about all dogs i didn't want to make it i didn't want to write a letter to brooke uh, i'm not ready to do that yet um but i mean the the bottom line of that episode was that dogs make us better people and man i i believe that like i believe that one of the reasons God made dogs companion animals and there's not another creature on the face of the earth that is a companion to a, a human like a dog is. It's just, it's like in Ro- in the book of Romans, it says that what can be known about God has been made known. His divine attributes and um, I can't remember the second part of that, but basically the, the point of that verse in Romans, I think it's in chapter one. Um, it says what can be known about God has been made known through his creation. And, and so, so the the point of that verse is that the, the character of God can be known by us 
if we look around us in the creation, I mean, the order of the way things are created, the glory of it, the beauty of it, um, but also the kindness of it. You know, when it rains, it rains on the worst human crops in the world. You know, Adolf Hitler benefited from rain in the same way that I benefit from rain. It made the crops that fed him grow, just like it makes the crop that crops that feed me grow. And so there's kind of this universal kindness of the good Lord that is shown in so many ways. And one of those ways is, is the companionship of a good dog. I mean, a damn good dog. Um, and, and there's not anything else in this world that loves us, cares for us, and kind of connects with us on that level. Nothing more than a dog and it doesn't matter whether it's a pound <laughs> um or a black lab or i'll get crucified for saying this but a silver lab or <laughs> or a poodle i mean <laughs> you know, i mean there, there's a there's a human animal bond that happens between a human and a dog that does not happen between a human and any other creature and that's not our i mean that's not debatable so so I, I'm rambling now, but um, what's my favorite? I don't know. It's probably a toss-up between number one, home, and the dogs episode from this year, and um, and then the trip video uh, that we just did. But um, probably it's it's probably between dogs and home. Two great episodes. <laughs> I mean, um, two two of the greatest attributes of a hunt: your friends, mm-hmm. your 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 dog, um, mm-hmm. and I, and no I agree with that. Man, the endless love that a that an animal is an, as a companion. Because I'm all, you know, the old saying is you lock your wife in the trunk of a car, you lock yep. your dog in the trunk of the car, and you see which one wags his tail or smiling yeah, when you open you. that trunk. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So I agree with you being able to see, you know, uh, a side of heaven that we don't see on earth through animals. Yeah, and, you know, dogs is special. That dog episode, one of the other reasons it's special to me is because my dad wrote most of that script. Um, I had a different script written, and it wasn't as good. It wasn't even remotely as good. And and I was kind of stumped. and. We were struggling. We didn't have real good footage at that moment, and we really needed to get an episode out in order to kind of keep the pace. And um, and uh, and so I, I sent my dad a text message. I was like, "I need a giant favor," and he said, "What's that?" And I said, "Write me a write me a one page like about your dog. Just write me a story about your dog." And um, and it, he started with that. The first line of that of that episode is his. I mean, he said, "Dogs are good for you." At least that's been my experience. And I read that, and I was like, "Holy crap! That is solid gold." Because it's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. Dogs are good for you. Period. <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, so so that one's kind of special because we collaborated on that one, and a lot of my the way that I talk and the way that I write is so strongly influenced by my dad. I mean, I, my dad can write and talk like this. He's probably much better than me. If he had a platform, he just doesn't have much of a platform. <laughs> you know, Spence talked about his dad in the first, I guess it was probably either number one or number two on the podcast. Recommend going back and listen to that. To understand who Spence is, you got to understand who his dad is. So, look, I, I, I've yet to even shake hands with the man, your dad. <laughs> but I want to say this. You should this. Come, come to Memphis and have lunch one day. You'd love to meet him. <laughs> Everything that Spence said about his dad in, the, in either number one or number two is the case. And here's why I say that. When you get information from somebody without any influence on that information it's usually truthful so spence and i share 
as far as vet clinics go, a lot of the same sales reps that come in and out on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them, I'll, I'll ask them, say, hey, what area do you work? And they say Memphis, that area. I always ask, hey, do you know, you know a guy named uh, Dr. Halford? Dr. Halford. Oh, man. And before you can eat, look, nine times out of ten, before you can get a word out, they go through this long speech of who Dr. Halford is. They never a negative word about him. Ever. Yeah. Not that I'm looking for a negative word. I'm just saying that that's just, man, they love the man. They love, because most doctors you deal with in our line, of, they, they, they don't have time for you, mm -hmm. especially a sales rep. Mm -hmm. But, man, when you ask these guys and these ladies, they love your dad. They, yeah, they take the time just, mm -hmm. to teach. Yeah, he's a special guy for sure. And, I mean, they don't say the sales reps probably don't say the same thing about me. I'm a, little, I'm a lot harder harder to deal with than he is, but I mean he, he really is. He's a he's a um he's a special guy and maybe I'm overcompensating as a dad, but I mean I feel a lot of internal personal pressure to live up to you know I mean the last thing you want to do is have a world class dad like I did and then turn out to be just a total deadbeat, you know? And and that's like, it's my greatest fear in life is I don't want somebody to go, you know, well, he had all, he had it all at his fingertip, fingertips, you know, he was raised the right way, but whew, he sure didn't put it into practice, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, it, it's unbelievable the, the awesome things that you hear about y'all's practice and your dad, but your dad mostly. It, they really mm -hmm. don't even really talk about the gigantic practice that y'all have built there but all right so let's move to this real quick I ask you this if you could go back and change i'm giving you the key to a door that allows you to go back into time business-wise and change anything anything mm -hmm. what would you go back and change about my business, about the call mm -hmm. business, any mistake that you made, anything that you could change that would change the tra trajectory of the path of Rolling Thunder. Oh, man, that's tough. Um, hmm. I, I probably should have moved the business out of my home sooner. Um, and that's kind of hard to say because I've got so much work done at the house without it interfering with, I mean, it interfered with family time all the time, but it, it would have had a much bigger impact on my family had I've moved it out of my home because I was able to kind of, you know, help put the kids to bed a lot of times and then go build calls. But at the same time, um, had I have had a space outside of my home, I could have um, I could have hired some staff and managed them better if they had a space that wasn't in my home, a space that was air conditioned, it wasn't in the garage. I mean, there were a lot of years where we just didn't work during the day on calls because it was 100 degrees in the garage, 120 degrees most days, you know, and so we would we would wait until the sun went down and then work in the afternoon, you know, work from say seven, eight o'clock at night till midnight because of the temperature as much as anything else. But it also coincided with what was good for my schedule and whatnot. But had I have moved the business out of my home at an earlier point, it would have given the business a little bit of a life outside of me and um would have allowed me to kind of add some team members that some people that would have been really beneficial for the business and there were several times that there were people that i met or knew kind of along the way in the industry competition callers and stuff like that 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 i could have gotten to come work for me that would have been really really good would have been um 
great representatives of my company and good salespeople and good, just kind of good all around for the brand. And, and I resisted that because I never really wanted to have the, 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 I, I was always afraid of the risk of overhead and having to pay rent and, and all that kind of stuff. But so while I say that's what I would probably change at the same time, you know, it's probably, I probably would have made some other mistakes had I've done that. Probably would have made some bad hires, probably would have gotten in over my head with overhead. Um, Cause there's a lot about the call business that's seasonal. It goes in spurts. You know, you make a bunch and then don't make any for three or four or five months. And then kind of, you know, it, it, it comes and goes like that. So you have to be able to, you got to be able to make it through those slow months when there's work to do, but you're not going to get paid for it. Like, like right now, for example, we're pumping out calls right now, just, you know, June and July are pretty busy months for us in the shop. They're not busy with phone calls and emails because the individual retail customers are not necessarily thinking about duck calls right now, but all the stores are thinking about them. And so, you know, today I got an email from a store urgent needs a picture of a matte black swamp box. Like, they need it right now because they're trying to publish their catalog. And so there's a lot of that kind of urgent stuff that goes on in the summertime. Well, you got to have the ability to make it from right now until October. Because if you deliver all your duck calls, say, August 1st, and most vendors are a net 60 terms, that means you're not going to see any of your money until October. So you're buying supplies in June. You're manufacturing end of June, 1st of July, second week of July, shipping calls. I mean, you're talking about you gotta you gotta have your overhead low enough and manageable enough that you can survive for four to five months while you're working your tail off and while you're paying employees and while you're and while you're doing all this stuff, you gotta you gotta survive. It's almost like farming, you know, you're you're raising a crop but you're not gonna see your money until you carry your grain to the um to the grain elevator. So I don't know. I mean, that, that's one thing that definitely would, I'd love to have gone back and I always wanted to do something kind of like what Rich and Tone has done, a place that people can come and hang out. I'm so jealous of their tap room. That place is awesome and their new facility. I wish that I, I, if I could go back and change it, I would love to have something like that. But the reality is that when you get the cart before the horse, you know, it's easy to get in over your head with overhead and then not sell the calls that you need to pay the bills. And so on one hand, that's definitely something that I wish I could change or would have changed. But on the other hand, I looking back, I feel like it was, you know, probably the good Lord's kindness to keep me from getting, um, getting, you know, in over my head and drowning. So, That's why our paths are always the way they are. Yeah. Um, yep. Really, really crazy question. This this will tie <laughs> the the bow up and on this series. Friends, come in the room. You and I have talked about. Um, we're all in a race to see how many people we can have at our funeral one of these days. That was my grandmother's ultimate goal. Man, she had a lot. Gee, she had a lot. But they walk around the casket. Man, this is kind of grotesque or weird. They walk around that <laughs> casket. What do you hope they say about Spencer? We're going to use your proper name because this is, is your funeral. Um, um, I mean, obviously, first, I, I hope that uh, my friends know that I cared about them. I hope that they, um, I mean, I hope that when they stand around and talk about me, they don't miss something that I could do for them or something like that. I, I, I hope that what they miss is that I cared about them. That I checked on them that, you know, I hope that what they miss about me is actually the friendship, the relationship. I hope that, um, because, because it's, 
that's definitely the way that I feel about living life with them is what makes life rich to me. Um, so I, I hope that they know that, um, that I, that I really cared about them. I mean, I definitely hope that's what they would say. Um, I hope that, I hope that my friends that know me really well would say that, um, that I hustled and tried hard. Um, and by hustle, I don't mean like white men can't jump hustle. Uh, you know, (laughs) what I mean is just, I hope that when my friends talk about me, they go, you know what, even when he really didn't know what he ought to do tomorrow, he got up early and just tried hard at something. And, um, um, I don't, I know the Bible does not say that God helps those that help themselves, but I think that there's kind of some backwards truth in that. I think that, um, people that try hard in life, um, generally don't end up being colossal failures. You know, they keep trying and I hope that my kids and my wife and my friends would say that about me, that Einstein, and he wasn't some genius, but by God, he, he stuck with it, whatever he was trying and, and, you know, didn't quit the first time that he hit a bump in the road, um, that he, that he hustled. You know, I want to be, I told Dylan the other day, you know, I want to be, we should be just like as corny as this is. I love, I've always loved the, the little saying that's, you know, live your life like a mallard duck, you know, cool and calm above the water, but paddling like hell underneath, you know, whether you know where you're going or not. And, um, um, you know, the, the moment that you quit trying is the moment that defeat has its starting point. And so I hope that my friends would say about me, um, he probably never made the best duck call on the planet. He tried, he gave it his best shot, but by God, he sure believed in them. And, you know, he hustled them and, and, um, um, and then, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I hope that my friends, the people that know me really well would say that that guy was very broken and he knew it and he was not hiding it and not living, um, not, not living a, a hypocritical life, um, that he lived a messy, open transparent broken life that was redeemed by the blood of jesus christ um um you know i hope that all of my friends when they stand there could each say um he he stopped and apologized to me when he treated me wrong um and he was you know admitted that and and i know i haven't done i have definitely not (laughs) apologized and sought somebody's forgiveness for everything I've ever done wrong, but um, I hope that's the way they remember me. I hope that there were enough of those times that it made a difference in how they see themselves in relationship to um, to the Almighty. And, um, and then I, I've always said, <laughs> I've always told, there's a few of my friends I've always told this to, and I hope that somebody does this. Um, and if I die after this episode, I hope somebody listens to it and says it at my funeral. But um, I feel like if um, life was measured in terms of friendships, if if how rich you were was um, was measured in terms of the value of your friendships, man, I feel like Bill Gates and Donald Trump and and the dude that owns Amazon, I feel like the richest human that's ever lived on the face of this earth. Um, the friendships that I feel that, that I've, that I've benefited from, um, whether it be my dad or my uncle, my grandfather, or, um, you know, Ryan Johnston or Brooks Tinsley or Derek Goddard or Bradley Moore. I mean, yeah, I go down to Murray Shouse. I can go down this list for literally, I could go down this list for hours, you know, but I hope somebody would stand up at my funeral after saying all those things and just go, dang. I mean, if you could, if you could, if you could name an all-star list of friends, that dude right there had it. Like if there was a hall of fame for people who had awesome friends, he would be the logo of that Hall of Fame um, because, man, I, the friends that I have in my life are the richest thing that I have. 
and and I feel incredibly blessed um each and every one of them in different ways and from from my hunting buddies all the way down you know to my wife um and my parents I just I, I feel I'm very grateful for those relationships and um I hope somebody would point that out because you can't <laughs> you can't pick your you can't uh you can't pick all your friends you know I mean you just they just come along and um yeah I think the thing that I, I'm gonna go further uh, a little bit the thing that I remember about this series as we did it because I know that you don't even think about it really but is you didn't let something vanity in in not that any of us would but i'll never forget the first couple of videos even before i met you ever talked to you years ago back in the early days of social media when videos started going up on facebook but i remember you laughing about laughing at yourself and i think that mm -hmm. that's a great quality to have <laughs> being able at the end of the day being able to laugh at yourself and what i mean by that is and we spent some time talking about your eye you know, it's a it's a time that I don't know of anything that you could really live without. But man, you've got two eyes, but losing one is tough. Got to be unbelievably mm -hmm. tough. And it, you 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 laughed it off, didn't? tough story to tell but you just laughed it off but so i think that that's one but the, the, the i think the one that i'll take away to lighten the mood is uh you duck call man <laughs> oh, that, that for some reason uh, that you know how things get stuck in your head and yeah. that those Three words. I'll just be driving down the road and I'll say, "You duck call man." <laughs> uh, you know that. <laughs> yeah, that, I need to go see how. I wonder what that kid is doing. <laughs> uh, and I what I I've often thought. I, I wonder what he. I wonder what his version of that story is like when he tells people. I mean that kid. He got a he got a grant, you know. I mean, he got he got money from the school for standing there and pumping out those little parts. And I mean, can you imagine somebody that had less of a clue about what he was building than that dude right there? I mean, no clue, <laughs> barely speak English, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, you duck call man? Yeah, you duck call man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that was all the conversation right there. <laughs> uh, Spence, look, it has been an enjoyable series because you can tell how. Look, I can, I can tell you if a series is enjoyable for me as a host is because a lot of days when you should be telling the story, you're off chasing rabbits. That's how you <laughs> sure. realize. If you're, if you mesh with somebody, you, you yeah. spend a podcast when you should be recording about the series, but you, you're chasing <laughs> rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, I, I, hey, I, I appreciate it. I'm honored. Um, I've, I've had an unbelievable amount of people take the time to write a note and say that something from this was meaningful to them. And, uh, I've, Appreciate that. Your your time's valuable, and you didn't have to give me a platform. You didn't owe that to me, and uh, so thanks for thanks for your hard work. Oh man, I look forward to Fridays. 
I look forward to the stories that you bring. I know that you're going to go really in depth. These people, people are going to walk away a better, a better person from listening to these episodes. So I look forward to that. And I appreciate you taking the time because man, anybody's got a busy life. I have time scheduled every day to do these. You got a vet mm-hmm. clinic, family, uh, the the Rolling Thunder game calls. I mean, you got a lot going on, but you always took the time. Hey, I can record now. Oh man, it's so, been it's been enjoyable, no problem. So keep up the hard work. We'll see if we can't get some fun people on here on Fridays and go from a different angle. Well, Spence, one last time, thank you, man. It's been fun. Thanks for having me, Rocky. Appreciate you. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DrSouth.com. Just <laughs>